What's up, bench warmers? Welcome into episode 114 of the Far End of the Bench podcast. Jimmy Plot on Nico Bryant. We are here. We're going to talk a lot about some football stuff. We're going to go deep into week seven, plus get our picks in for week eight. By the way, somebody had a perfect week. First per- perfect week of the uh, podcast. When you guys hear me talk about this during the actual show, we weren't sure. But now that it is final, I did go 6-0 and on this last week of the Pick'em. So we'll get into that. We also... After you listen to this intro, we will have Rev, the Problem Coco, returning to talk UFC 280. We're recapping all of those major fights, a couple big upsets, a couple big things changing hands in the MMA world. So Rev is on to talk about all of that stuff with us. So be sure, wherever you're listening, stop right now, follow, like, subscribe, five-star rating, and then you can come back and listen to us. But be sure to follow. If you're already followed, unfollow and refollow because it does help put us back into the algorithm. We are starting to move forward. I go on random computers and in iTunes and I type the far and we're like the fourth thing that comes up. So it's getting, I don't know how many things are, are the, the far end of whatever, but I'll take it. Right now we're third in the, the Apple algorithm as I'm uh, looking at it. Be sure to continue to rate and review, help us out that way. Uh, we appreciate you guys checking out the show and all of that good stuff. Nico, I don't know if we go, I don't know where I go from here. I think I peaked now. Six and zero in the pick them. That's never happened before. And I don't know if it's ever going to happen. All right, Makachev, let's relax a little, buddy. You have, you have some other competition to deal with, too. Don't you worry. I come back. I always come back. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. That's my little midget coach that I have back here. <laughs> hey, hey, don't you mess with the goat, okay? The goat is the goat. If you don't stay down and you never quit, come on over here and sit on the far end of the bench. starting episode 114 off with a very special treat we have rev the problem coco back joining us we said that we were going to get him on after the ufc 280 event from last week and now that we're here uh we're going to get into all of that we're going to talk about the four main fights on the main card we're not going to talk about the opener just wasn't that big of a deal but before we get into all of that you are listening to the far end of the bench podcast jimmy Pilato, nico bryant joined with special guest rev coca today if you want to follow us, you can do so at FEOTV pod. We are presented by the Variety Sports Network. You can follow them at Variety underscore sports underscore. And you can subscribe to both our YouTube channel and the Variety Sports Network YouTube channel for all of our great content uh, moving forward. You can follow Rev at Rev Coca and, and look for his stuff on bellyupsports.com. Uh, boys, let, let's go ahead. Let's get into it because UFC 280 was a hell of an event. It's one of the better early cards that I can remember. I wish it was a little bit later on in the day. Uh, Rev, just kind of general thoughts first before we get into the actual fights on the card. What was what was your initial reaction? And then we'll we'll get to Nico's reaction too. Well, my reaction to it is it's easier to stay engaged with a pay-per-view card, especially when there's major title amplification. Like when you look at it, Every fight on the main card had title fight implications, where in terms of the future of the division, even a prelim headliner had title fight implications based off of high level contenders in the division. So it's a lot easier to get engaged with a fight or with a fight card when lately the UFC schedule makes it so that there are certain, you know, fight night cards that isn't extremely stacked. They'll mainly maybe like put a couple of names in like the co-main and the main event and sprinkle in some things here on the main card. But normally the fight night cards aren't really packing too much and they really load up the pay-per-view. So once a pay-per-view like this one comes around, it's easy to stay engaged when there's so much, you know, so many like high level contenders and ranked people on the card. I feel like the action didn't quite live up to the standards, but 
when when there's a when there's like a really entertaining ending, whether it's you know a dominant finish in the main event, a weird co-main event, and then Yano O'Malley, when the card finishes better, it's a lot easier to remember that compared to some of the lackluster things that may have happened earlier in the night or yeah, in the yeah, afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, Nico, what were your what was your reaction? What did you think of UFC 280? How did how did the UFC do this weekend? My my thoughts was watching that card. I mean, first first of all, we we can stroke off Dana all we want because the man just knows how to make stars. Outside of the first fight on the main card, every single one person on that on that main card could have headlined uh, could have headlined the show. Whether it be O'Malley and Yom, that's that's probably we're probably going to see that rematch down the line. Killershaw uh, and and um and Aljamain, that fight is definitely going to be run back, and obviously the main event, and then even Dariush and and, and Gamera, that's a hell of a fight night main event. I mean, we, we saw a bunch of just high level strikers, high level wrestling, all throughout this main card and throughout the card in general. With with good old Boo Boo the Bear coming out on top as well, so I mean, look, there's 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 a lot of different things that I really enjoyed about this card, but in, in my opinion, like th- there's this this card was a perfect setup to the end of the year. This is the card you want to have in the middle of the year that you're like, this is setting up so many good fights for the next for January for beginning of January or end of December, or or we are we are we are raking in how this can be because when you get around to October to October September fight cards, it's usually the mid cards because they usually save the really high level ones till the end. But this mm-hmm. card was anything but that, and man, they absolutely just knocked it out of the park with every single fight. Were some of the results you wish were probably better? Absolutely. We wish probably that we'll get to all the in-depth fights and how they finish, but you wish there definitely was some little better results, but I, I don't know how the UFC can complain after this weekend. Yeah, and that brings us to let's get into the first fight, and we're starting off with the lightweight between uh, Benil Dariush and Matsus Gamrock. Uh, the 30-27, 30-27, 29-28, unanimous decision for Dariush's favor. Uh I guess he heard, he listened to the podcast last week, Nico. He saw me taking him out to pasture and he didn't like that too much because he, he ended up getting the win. Um, I, I guess we'll, what was the, what did you see Dariush do? Is Dariush still a title contender? Do you think that he can compete more towards the top of this lightweight division now? In my opinion, I'm going to say yes. I, I Look, what I saw from Gamera, a young guy, I saw two very, very similar fires. Two dudes that were, Pretty decent wrestlers, but they said, you know what? Let's go swing and let's go have some fun here. Because Dariush is a, is a guy that, look, he's been around the game for a while. He's been he's been always just hovering around for so long and never really taking that next step, quote-unquote. Now, in a division with a new champion, you never know. Things could look up for him, but this is a fight that, that look, the, the UFC was probably looking for to gatekeep. Everyone knows they do it. They don't hide it. And, they, and Guillermo is a young guy, a Polish guy that everyone thought could be the next Polish guy to, to take over. And Darius said, not so fast. I'm still here. So in my opinion, look, I, I didn't think it was honestly, I didn't think it was a, it was a, it was a um, clean three Oh sweep. I thought, I thought Guillermo might've won round one, my round one round two, but there's no denying what Darius did. And like I said, it was a hell of a high level uh, striking contest. Two dudes were knocking the shit out of each other. Yeah. And Rev, I, I kind of want to focus with, with you. My question for you, Darius now puts together 
quite an impressive resume. Hasn't lost since uh, 2018, early 2018. And he's now beaten Tony Ferguson and Mitsus Gamrot in his last two fights. Where does that put him in this light, lightweight title picture? Because we know that it's stacked at the top. Is he maybe out in that second tier? Does this move him up into a possible contention, depending on on who keeps winning these title fights? Where does it, where does Darius sit now? I think ultimately, everyone in front of him losing title fights, that puts Darius right up there. If Alexander Volkanovsky wasn't just around, you know, beating people around and, you know, getting into that power pound number one spot, if Volkanovsky wasn't at where he is at right now, Darius, I think, would be number one contender at lightweight just due to the fact that everyone else around him have kind of lost title shots. And if Darius wasn't such a nice, polite person, if he actually just went out there and called for his title shot, maybe he'd be a lot, you know, it'd be a lot harder to just kind of push him over. But as for the performance, you know, I thought Darius's takedown defense looked very lights out because Gamrot was trying to take him down. Takedown defense looked lights out. The counters, because he was really countering uh, Gamrot's aggression with, you know, the counter punches, attacking all levels with the kicks and even a couple of times, you know, time Gamera's takedowns with a, with a knee. So very well-rounded kickboxing attack and lights out takedown defense. So yeah, Darius, I think he's right there for a title shot. And if he was maybe a little bit more aggressive of calling his shots, you know, maybe the UFC would put him into more consideration instead of Volkanovski. My last question that I'll pose out of this fight and then we'll, we'll move to the next one. With Matuts Gamrot, this is his first loss since entering the UFC. Prior to this, he beat Scott Holtzman, Jeremy Stevens, Diego Fajaya, and Armand Sarukian, I think, Sarukian, and now loses to Bedino Dariush. How much do you have to see? And by the way, his record, 21-2, and so that's only his second ever professional loss. Is he able to – are we going to possibly see him around? Does he have to maybe get that – next signature win because right now the best win in his UFC career probably Jeremy Stevens and that's Jeremy Stevens in 2021 that's well past his, his knockout artist prime uh is Gamrot capable of getting himself back into title content contention yeah I would say he's definitely capable of doing it um the Stevens win yeah definitely a the biggest in terms of like name recognition but as for his game you know I like the fact that you know he's a pace pusher he's not the most clean not the most clean striker he's gonna go out there and he's gonna push you know a disciplined game of one twos and basic boxing combos the occasional kicks but he's gonna go out there and try to push a wrestling pace on you and I think ultimately if he could you know straighten some things out, maybe striking defense and become a little bit more rounded of a striker to build around with his grappling. He'll be a solid lightweight, but regardless, he'll definitely stick around in the rankings for a while. Whether or not he can knock on the door of a title shot, he's going to need to tighten up some of those deficiencies in his striking. No, I, I couldn't agree more with, with Rev there. I mean, look, Gamera is a guy that, look, he has two, his two losses are both in the UFC. He came in, whatever it was, 16-0, 15-0, whatever it was. And his first ever fight he lost, it was in the UFC. And his second fight was his last decision. He, he's, he's fought on some decent cards, but this is his first pay-per-view. This was the, the, the biggest, biggest crowd he's ever been around, too. Think about it. His, all of his fights up to the date, all fight nights have been in the Performance Center. So it was a different atmosphere, and I don't think he was ready for it. And I think Darius is a veteran winner and a guy that's ready for the bright lights. And he's been there, done that, and was ready for it. I, look, I think he, I, I, I don't think that 
Cameron, this is this is going to derail everything. I, I think this is just a, a a hitch in the steps stepping wheel for Gamrot. Do I think he could get to a championship? Time will only tell. But right now, this division is so damn stacked. He's going to have to pile up wins like this to 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 try to get back in the picture, though. I I tend to agree. I think Benil Darius. He, his credit is that the division's kind of eating itself at the top, so he's right there, there next in line. And Gamrot, it takes, you know, put a couple more wins together, and we'll see. It, he is 31, so that window is probably closing a little bit faster than uh, it would have if he was a little bit younger. The, the next fight, this guy doesn't have any hitch in his giddy-up, apparently. Uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley controversial split decision i've seen on online if you look at some of the fight st- statistics volkanovsky with five minutes and 44 seconds of control time uh 97 significant strikes landed to uh sugar sean's 91 it, it kind of tells it a little bit different of a story but if you watch the fight there is the question of yes jan had control for that amount of time but was he doing anything with it and was sugar sean getting the best of the exchanges um, so I guess that's where we'll start. Did Sugar Sean O'Malley actually beat Peter Yan, or was this a case of maybe it being a little bit too close? And in that case, the UFC wants to push the young star, so might might as well get the kid with the rainbow hair uh, the biggest win of his life. So what are what are we thinking for this bantamweight? Look, uh, look, decision? I tweeted out. I tweeted out. My betting account wasn't bad. I thought Sugar Sean guy's ass kicked. I don't know how you can be on your back for five minutes. A full round, a three-round fight, how be it? A full round of a three-minute fight, you're on your back, and you win the fight. Look, there's no doubt that that Sugar Show was getting his shots in. Jan was bloodied up, beat up. He had some ear, ear problems. His, his face was cut up. At the end of the fight, it looked as if Jan had, had lost that fight on their face. But you know what happens when we do that? We have Johnny Hendricks versus GSP happen. It, it, it's, I'm, in my opinion, look, Sugar Show did enough to win. Did he win the fight? No, I still think no. Look, everyone wants, everyone wants to think, oh, this is, this is, this is uh, uh, he, he had more strikes to the head. His face looked uglier than his at the end of the fight. If you want to do that, go to watch boxing. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is mixed martial arts. Let me remind everyone that. Mixed martial arts. Wrestling, uh, jiu-jitsu, uh, kickboxing, boxing are all in play here. It was a boxing match. Sugar Show wins a 3-0 decision. Let's be honest here. That's just, that's just how it is. And, and, and look, I have, I have no I – have no, Sugar Show showed me a lot. Because I'm, because I was, I was, I thought he would got his ass kicked. If I'm being honest with you. I had full, I had full opinion of he's not ready for it, but he showed he was ready for that competition. But I don't think that he would have won that fight, in my opinion. I look, there's nothing against how he fought and and mm-hmm. and what he did. I just feel like Jan did enough to win the fight. Was it? It was one of those fights where you go to the scorecards and you're like, yeah, Jan just won that because he just he just did he just controlled him more. And Sugar Show did more on the feet in terms, but Sugar, Show, but 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 Jan just won the fight because it's a mixed martial arts fight, and they rewarded the guy for 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 throwing throwing more head punches and and blooding him up more. I look, I was just as surprised as everyone. This was a split decision. I I, I had no idea how how it got to that point and how 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 a guy I was twenty nine twenty eight both ways. I I like I was just blown away. 
when I, 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 I had an inkling that I might that I lost that fight. When they said we have a split decision, and Bruce Buffer said Jan 29-28, I was like, uh-oh. Oh, my God, we may have a shot here. And I was like, oh, my God, 29-28 Mali. I was like, oh, my God, we may have won this. I was losing my mind. I said that was my biggest hit of the weekend. And, 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 and I'm mad because, because, look, he didn't win the fight. I, in my opinion, he did not win the fight. Rev, what do you think? Did he did he do enough, or was this or maybe a little bit of robbery? Perhaps I may have had a little bit of a different take because I didn't watch the fight live, so I kind of said I got other people's takes like, oh, this is a robbery, this and that happened. So me personally, when there's a fight where a lot of people are up and debating, is this fight a robbery? My first question I ask is, which rounds can I say so-and-so fighter won for sure? The only round in which I could say like a fighter certainly won was Piotr Jan winning round two. I thought he definitely won round two. The other two rounds, I think, are a little bit more up for question. In round two, I thought, like, yeah, they both kind of socked each other, had moments where they stunned each other. Shout out to those straight shots. Jan landed a couple of good counters, but it was a takedown to the control he got around to, which I thought he won for sure. Ron won a little bit. Jan had a minute of control off of the takedown, but I thought O'Malley stayed busy, so you can maybe give O'Malley the round, but Jan controlled it for a minute. So you can kind of go back and forth there. In round three, I thought, you know, in round three, you look at the stats, and I believe on a feet O'Malley out through him quite a bit, and they both landed on each other and rocked each other. It was a good fight. Like, they were landing shots on each other. But then I think ultimately it was Jan's wrestling. I gave him the, the nod in round three. So if you're asking me, I thought Jan won the last two rounds. So I gave it to him 29-28. But you look at you look at people on Twitter and people online, I heard so many different things where at first I thought Jan certainly won rounds two and three, but then I go on Twitter and someone's saying, well, I would say O'Malley, O'Malley for sure wins. I mean, won rounds one and round three. Then I hear other people saying Jan certainly won rounds two and rounds three. And there's a lot of like different differing opinions everywhere. And the only thing I really saw most people agree on was that Pewter Yard won round two. So definitely kind of one of those, like, it it doesn't feel right because because of the 10-9 system where you have to pick a winner each round, but you kind of feel like Jan hung in there with O'Malley on the feet and did the better work on the ground, where you, you kind of just felt like he just won the fight, not necessarily the rounds, but he just won the fight. So it kind of felt that way. But, hey, you got to give credit to O'Malley for standing in as tough as he did. And the, the thing that, that plays in this fight also is you got to think – this is not the Nevada State Athletic Commission like it usually is. This is the mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi. This is Abu Dhabi Athletic Commission. I don't Are you saying that the foreign commissions can't be bought? Nico? I, I'm, 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 I'm not saying that mm. they're they're biased because there's obviously a very yawn heavy crowd. If I'm being honest with you too. So, right. so that, if that, they're gonna go after some was... stand up guy like Phil Mickelson, I don't know if they're mm-hmm. gonna be fixing UFC. I totally agree with you. That is There's correct. a very Middle Eastern heavy crowd. You know, they love the Russian audience. They love the Muslim audience over there. So very biased crowd there, I'll admit. So so that, I don't know. If that, may, that may not have played in, but you got to think with the new athletic commission, things get a little funky with the judges. That just happens. Maybe the scoring is a little different. Maybe maybe how they're thought, thinking is different. Because if you look at other Abu Dhabi uh, uh, fight cards, it feels as though some like this is not the first time it's happened. 
with with a wrestler taking this much control on the ground and and a guy just doing more damage up top, which in, t- in, in technicality he didn't do as much damage, but did more head damage, so they gave it to him. So maybe that's a thing you got to take into account if you go to Abu Dhabi and you fight. I don't know. It's definitely something to look into. It's strange. Uh, we're going to continue moving on so that we can get through and, and send Rev off and, and not take up all of his uh, Monday night. He get, he's got to get back to watching this Bears and um, Bears and Patriots game. Co-main event, bantamweight title fight. Aljamain Sterling defends his title, moves to 22-3-0 after a TKO finish of TJ Dillashaw in round number two at three minutes, 44 seconds. Uh, turns out Dillashaw off EPO, not the same animal. Who would have thunk? Huh? Who who would have thought that or, we're sitting not, here no steroids? Not, yeah, not necessarily off EPO with the, with the, with a literally shoulder that popped out four different times. He said during his camp. But, but Nico, he, he was in the best shape of his his life ever. I That's know, but as a sports better, I would have yeah. loved to know that the guy told the referee before, "Hey, there's a good chance my shoulder's gonna pop out." Because I was like, "Oh, how's the fucking plus odds right now?" Maybe, maybe the maybe the bookies knew something that we didn't, and that's why he was plus odds because of the shoulder injury. Because look, look, it, it's a, it's a. You shame. saying there's some insider trading going on here? <laughs> hey, you know, it never right, never could happen in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in a combat sport, right? Never, never. It in a smells million. like Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. Hmm. <laughs> but man, look, I, I think we got robbed. I think Al Jermaine is a hell of a fire. I am not taking anything away from him. But the poor guy has dealt with, has been. He's never, not, he's never had a clean defense. He's or, not, exactly. He's a champion that has dealt with a disqualification. He, he had one knockout when it was a rematch. I, the poor guy has dealt with so much BS and wavering that you're like, is he really the champion? Like, 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 look, he, there's no denying how good of a fighter he is. There's okay. zero denying it. But the poor guy just cannot catch a damn break. I mean, look, he, he comes out and takes advantage of everything. You cannot say he hasn't. But, man, it's, it's a bummer. It really is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like every win during this championship run has had an asterisk. Yeah, the first Jan fight is like, well, he was losing steam, and then Jan, for whatever reason, forgot the rule book and need him in the face. And then the second fight comes around, and and then he beats him. He beats him in a split decision. Some people say, oh, I thought Jan, I thought Jan won it. So it was like a very debatable split decision. And maybe a story for another time is just how unfortunate, like, the downturn of Peter Young's career is, like, going on ever since he threw that illegal knee. Like, imagine if he did it where he'd be right now. But regardless, he had those fights. And then this fight comes around where he did everything he was supposed to do. But TJ Dillashaw, which you can't really take his words at face value whenever he says he's in the best shape of his life because – clearly this situation where he's nursing a shoulder injury where he can't even hit mitts where he can't even do the open workouts yet he goes out to fight and it's just you know it, it gets pinned on sterling as an illegitimate win but it's not sterling's fault so it sucks that that gets pinned on to them but to focus a little bit on tj dillashaw as much as it was disappointing to see that he didn't admit any of that you also kind of sort of Gotta feel that this may be the end of his athletic career as a competitive high level band of weight because this is gonna be irreversible damage to his shoulder. Like with how many times it dislocated, like he may never be able to like, you know, do something or like be comfortable competing at a high level, like in MMA, to be able to fully trust that his shoulder's not gonna be able to just pop out of socket again. So this may have just 
harm to the rest of his athletic career and pushing on and trying to fight this fight, he may have just messed up his entire career now. Well, with some experience in like the shoulder injury with it, with the dislocation, mine wasn't dislocating, but it was sublexing. So it was popping itself back into place. I, they're going to have to pull the ligament to replace from somewhere else. Cause I doubt that there's anything that they, what they were able to do with mine is just kind of stretch across where it was um, torn from. And they were able to reset it from there. I don't think he's going to have any left. And then two, when your shoulder dislocates like that, your humerus has like a sharp point on it. And every time that your shoulder dislocates, it rubs on that bone and those bones rub together enough. That's why his shoulder is able to just pop in and out because his scapula is now deformed. That's how much he probably just should have called it quits, called the UFC, said, look, I know I earned this title fight. You're going to have to push it and you're going to have to put somebody else in my spot because there's no way he should have been fighting in that. He threw 31 total punches, 31 total strikes. And, and, and look, my, my younger brother had that exact same injury. And look, after he's at for six years now, and he still has that worrisome of whenever he when he plays plays basketball, or whatever, of it possibly popping out. And yeah. and the only cure for it is stop doing playing or competing. That's and, and honestly, right. you can have surgery, you can all do all that, but there's no guarantee that surgery will even fix it for the long term. It's oh, a temporary yeah. fix. For, for an injury that, that, that will always just be there. That's the unfortunate part about a uh, uh, shoulder popping out injury. I look there. I, I don't think there's any denying what Dillashaw did in his career. He's one of the, one of the best bantamweights of all time. And, and he, he rightfully deserves his spot on, on top of, on top of one of the greats of this division. But at this point, man, look, there, you don't really have, to, you don't have to prove much else. What is, what is he going to do? Wait another year and get another shot? Cause it's going to be another year. Yeah. Like, 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 like what, what's is, next? Yeah. You wait yeah, until, when is he yeah, you wait until next summer, next year, and then you fight, I don't know, maybe gone uh, or something like that, or fight O'Malley and, and then go from there. I don't think he wants to do that. So there's a lot of question marks about what, what he's going to be doing here in the future. No doubt. Yeah. It just kind of feels like, a, just, I just kind of say one more thing here, just on both of them. It just kind of felt like a case of TJ Dillashaw once again being too stubborn for his own good. You go back to the Henry Cejudo fight. He had he should have not have been trying to make 125 pounds. Couldn't have too big of a cut for him. He was on his scale looking like dried up beef jerky and then had to take supplements, you know, legal supplements in order to try to make the way and ultimately got him suspended two years because he just can't say no. He's too stubborn. He has to take the fight. And in this case, it's another situation of him having to take a fight, even if it makes no logical sense. He can't even hit mitt. He can't even hit mitts. And he's supposed to be competing against Aljamain Sterling. Like, like so he's he borderline psychotic. Did you see the <laughs> at the weigh-in? He's like, I'm gonna knock you out, knowing in his head, he's like, I can't throw a punch. How am I gonna knock right. this guy out? <laughs> there's yeah. there's no way. I have absolutely nothing to do here. Yeah. No. I, I resemble that fear. I, I'm pretty sure I tore my shoulder like two weeks after I finally was cleared to come back and start competing. So it, it's retirement or it's continue to live with one arm. And uh, that's, that's not going to be fun. a fun recovery for, I mean, it's six weeks if it's the easiest type of ligament recovery in your shoulder for is it's probably rotator cuff. It's probably ligament. It's probably like nine months before he's even cleared to start working out again. So, yeah. Yeah, big up to big up to Aljo though. He can go a lot of different ways in terms of who he could fight next. Could be O'Malley, could be Sandhagen, 
I've heard Henry Cejudo rumors. I don't know how interested I am in him coming back right now. It's been a couple of years, but yeah, big ups to Aljamain Sterling. They're saying he's in the testing pool, so it must be interesting yeah. coming back. I don't yeah. know if it's for Volkanovski or if it's for this for for, for Aljamain, but if you're Cejudo, I would no offense, but I'd come back for Volkanovski more, mm-hmm. but. Dude, Volkanovski looks like a giant compared to Henry Cejudo. I know that he's like 5'6". The dude has the biggest wrist for a 145-pound man that I've ever seen. I think yeah, he walks around play, in like 190. He used to play rugby. There's a You see the pictures when he used to be like 260 pounds just looking yeah. like yeah. it looks like he ate the old Alexander Volkanovsky. Like he was hurting the current Alexander Volkanovsky. Like he looks like he ate that guy. When they've got – he came into the ring, and that's going to segue us to our main event. When they had the face-off with Makachev, it looks like two different-sized human beings. Like, Volkanovsky takes up the entire screen, and Makachev is, like, this big. He's skinny. He's wiry. You could tell he hasn't had a full portion of a meal in, in who knows how long living up in Dagestan. But Volkanovsky's a big boy. That's going to be – it's an interesting fight. This fight was interesting also because – Thinking about it and the more shows that I heard as they were getting ready for the fight, like Alexander Oliveira, like Charles Oliveira, excuse me, that's a hell of a champion that we just had. Like this is, that's a significant title change. The dude has beaten everybody and has overcome adversity against the toughest guys in the world. Like that Michael Chandler fight probably could have been knocked out, called in the first round. He came back, finished him, didn't go just to decision. He came back and finished most of his title defenses but unfortunately, like that Dagestani, whatever's going on over there, that that fight camp is a hell of a fight camp. And that was actually really cool. The tribute to uh, Khabib's late father. And um, it was really wild seeing Hezbollah in there. And, and like they take him seriously, but none of us can take him seriously. So it's a little bit the toughest guys in the room are like this is no, these trust me, badass. He's badass. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about Hasbulla who kind of like kind of irritates me because he plays on the fact that he's a little, you know how like you know how like there's a woman who will like hit a woman who like hit a man, knowing that a man won't hit him back because well it's a woman. I feel like Hasbulla kind of plays on the fact like he just goes around hitting and slapping people, knowing that no one can hit him back because he's little. <laughs> hey, hey, he he signed to the UFC like they actually gave him a contract. So, so they must be finding him some person to fight. So, so I bet you he kid, he probably had been kidnapped by some it's of gonna, his. Enemies. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's that could be a fucking pay per view. I, I kid you not. Uh, Habib versus, uh, or oh, sorry, uh, Makachev versus, uh, um, versus Volkanovski with Bula and, and some random other dude that has the same exact thing that Bula has on the undercard, and let, let's let it ride out. I, I, look, look, I. I cannot say enough about how good of a champion Charles was and how great of an all-around fighter is. But in reality, Makachev is just more dominant in the one thing he is at, he's really good at, and that's doing what Habib did best, taking people to the deep end of the pool and not letting them breathe. That's exactly what he did. For a second, did Charles have a chance to get anything offensively going? Makachev basically came out of that fight nearly, nearly on stage, uh, uh, comparison-wise. So it was it was a dominant performance, and, and you get to round two, and like I said, Charles Charles Charles, Charles has great jujitsu, and he was able to try to get out a couple of those holds. But Makachev, right when right when 
Charles moved and tried to turn. He knew exactly how to position himself perfectly to take care of him and, and get the, and get get the submission. I mean, it was an absolutely outstanding performance by Makachev. Any questions that you and I, Jimmy, especially had about him not being ready were completely answered. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Completely answered. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I thought he was fighting scared. No, apparently he was just resting. Yeah, he was, he was resting <laughs> for the real shot. Yeah. So. <laughs> As for my take on the fight, I feel like it would be lazy to just say, oh, Islam, that guy's like be because I feel like everyone says that. However, something that's very noticeable is just how both of them, like, are very good game players. You can see Khabib, as a coach, just being able to instill so much. Just when you look at how the Dagestanis with Khabib and Abdul Manap, his father, and just how disciplined and how structured they handle everything seriously, whether it's a practice or even – what they do during their breaks or what they do during their fun time. Everything is so structured and disciplined. And Khabib, he fought with amazing game plans and seemed to take the opponent's weapons away. And Islam Makachev did the exact same thing here. Charles Oliveira likes to be aggressive and make things happen. Well, Islam hit him with counters. He got in the clinch every time Oliveira tried to push forward and took him down and controlled him on the mat and kind of shut down, you know, the wild scrambles that Oliveira tried to initiate. Islam just completely shut the game down. And then the round two club and sub, hitting him with the right hand and subbing him out. So it's just, for one, you got to give Islam credit for being a good game planner, but you also got to give Khabib his credit from just being able to seamlessly transition from being a world championship fighter to world championship coach and following in his father's footsteps. Meanwhile, Islam is following in Khabib's footsteps. So it just kind of just, you know, it's cool to see the transition. The Volkanovsky fight, we will probably talk about a little bit more in depth later on. Um, my question now is there's, there's two schools of thought moving forward. This is either going to make the lightweight championship championship start rotating like uh, a cheese tray at a wedding, or is Islam going to be dominant like Khabib and hold on to his title? Is he going to try and be better than Khabib? Cause Khabib really didn't have that many title defenses. We just know that he was undefeated and, and never lost around anything like that. Does he try and defend the title, maybe go for UFC glory, or is this a, a situation where the other guys, the young guys, will will start to maybe bring themselves forward and, and put themselves into the title, the title picture? Uh, Rev, we'll have you, we'll, we'll, we'll leave you, this will be the last question before we let you go, but what do you think about this lightweight division now? Right now, it might just be a little bit of an overreaction, but it really feels as if there's just like a gap between Islam and the rest of the division, just when it came to just how easy he was able to shut out an action fighter in Oliveira. The fighters before, and Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier, fighters who were a little afraid to engage in Oliveira's guard because of his submissions, Islam was like, hey, I'm disciplined. You know, I know what I'm looking out for. I could avoid his submissions while going to work from top. He literally went exactly into one of the most dangerous aspects of Oliveira's game and said, oh, it's not too bad here, so what? kind of just pick them apart. So kind of feels like there's a gap. However, look at some of the guys coming up, Rafael Fiziev, very physically gifted, you know, pressuring, pressuring kickboxer, very powerful, hard to take down, which he showed. You see Benil Dariush, who's really going to test Makachev in the grappling aspects. He has moments where he'll go berserk on a feet and kind of, you know, make you, clutch up just wondering what he's going to throw at you so that's another interesting fight you see some of the other guys coming up like 
Armin Sarukian, Mateusz Gamrot, Demir Ismagulov, and a lot of these newer guys in which maybe they answer the question and we'll be able to see just how close or how or just how wide the gap is between Islam and the rest of the division. But right now, it kind of just feels like Islam is the best guy in the division. There's a bit of a margin. Yeah, I, I, I look. I think we're, we're 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 robbing ourselves of a lot of opportunities if we just drop to the Volk fight, in my opinion. Because I think the Michael Chandler and, and and Poirier fight coming up, that should be a number one contender fight. I think Gaethje still deserves another shot. I, like I said, every single name that 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 um, Rev just named off could have a shot down the line here. I look, there's no denying that Volk deserves it. I, I, that's not the question here, but I would like to see a bigger fight in an essence where Makachev is rolling over the division too. You know what I mean? Like, like, like in my opinion, the fights are uh, Makachev faces the winner of Poirier or Poirier Chandler, and then and then the uh, uh, the the. The Cejudo goes 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 to fight Volkanovski, in my opinion. That's that's the fight you got to make here. Obviously, they're going to lean towards Volk versus Islam because everyone loves the world of double champions, and that's just the world we live in. And when a guy dominates the division like Volk has, it's an easy decision. But I, like I said, I think there's 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 a lot of names that Makachev can still uh, still has to prove himself, in my opinion. A lot of names that the uh, fighters that had Charles's number at some points, but lost the fights eventually. And who knows, maybe they may have Makachev's number two. I'm not saying they do. I'm not saying they don't, but you, it's, it's t- remains to be seen. Well, Rev, we, we appreciate you coming on and talking a little bit about that. We said 15 minutes, probably more like 30 minutes, but it was still good. Uh, before we let you go, and, and by the way, if you like what you heard from Rev, you can hear him talking Division Two football with myself on the Top of the Mountain podcast every Friday which you can also hear on the Variety Sports Network. Uh, Rev, plug your your pages one more time where people can find your content for Billy Up. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Rev Coca, R-E-V-K-O-K-A. You can find me, Rev Coca, on Billy Up Sports. And I actually did a little write-up on UFC 280. So if you want to see my write-up on the entire main card and even on the, even on the, the headline or the headliner of the prelim as well. So, yeah, if you want to see my little breakdown of those last six fights, you can find it there on Belly Up Sports. Be sure to check that out, Rev. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll have you on soon to talk more more UFC when when the new new big fights are coming up. All right, until next time. Thanks for having me, y'all. Okay, and we're back. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that segment with Rev, uh, the problem Coca, talking UFC 280, talking a little bit about some uh, some of the big MMA stuff that's coming down the pike. And now we get to get back into what maybe we're a little bit more comfortable talking about, and that is football. Um, we're going to go straight into the NFL because we want to get to the pick em. I As we're recording this right now, it's about midway through the third quarter of the Monday Night Football game. So when you're listening to this, you already know the answer. If Chicago wins, I will have gone six for six. I will have the first perfect week in podcast history. Now that I'm saying it right now, it's definitely not going to happen. Patriots are going to make a comeback and I'm going to look stupid with egg in my face, but Hey, that's a five and one. That's still the best record so far for the season. And I think I put myself back in, in the lead for, for the overall season record. So it's all good there. So uh, that's, that's a good week, Jimmy. It's a good week. It was a good week, and there's a, was a lot good... of stories out of this weekend too. I mean, we can we can go down the line of all the games at this point because every game seemed like something else came out of it. I mean, what a hell of a weekend! Yeah, well, 
let's uh we'll talk about we'll, we'll focus on those games that we had picked and that starts with thursday night football uh kyler murray won on the release of modern warfare so he did wait until the game dropped and then was able to kind of take the the mini buy to enjoy that big win for the cardinals it, however it looks, wasn't like, it looks the, like she was up to all night playing jimmy because we didn't realize the first quarter they went out to that 14-0 uh deficit then realized yeah. oh fuck i bet i still have d hop on my team he's back finally so let me use him a little bit and then he was a fiery low fiery little thing on the sidelines when he was coming over you see him trying to cuss out how do you think that sounded like <laughs> It, it, it would have sounded like it was in the group chat of the modern warfare of, of the group, group chat being like yeah. I, he was he was open i pressed b he went too many times like come on this is now. stupid why are we calling this man this is dumb the guy, uh, plays, probably, guy probably does play a little too much man and, and it's probably too much good for himself at this point you gotta hit it now no hit it now you can't just throw back across the middle that doesn't actually work in real life um i think the main story here it, it wasn't good for Andy Dalton. Two interceptions, the pick six, the iconic slow motion moment. That's Amazon hasn't been good for much, but that was pretty cool. That was like one of the best moments that they could have caught on camera. The best game the, they've had and all yeah. all the Thursday games. Since I, uh, the Chiefs and Chargers. Because remember they had the oh, Chiefs Chargers yeah, as the first that, Thursday night. That was one of the first ones. That's right. When they actually cared about scheduling it. Yeah. It, it was that pick six was the first touchdown in two weeks on Thursday night football. Thanks to your Broncos and uh the the Colts, the Commanders, and the Bears, all f- no offensive touchdowns for the last two weeks on Thursday Night Football. It was a decent game. My question, I guess, coming out of this one, and, and it's the question that people are asking: Are the Saints really that much worse off right now? Should they go back to Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston, this offense, in spite of Sunday's performance, this offense looks so much better with Andy Dalton at quarterback. It's not even really comparable stats wise. It's not. It's not a major upgrade. <laughs> it's not a major upgrade, but it's probably it's like three or four upgrade. less interceptions. It's a consistent upgrade. That's all yeah. you can say. I'm not gonna. It's like picking between the lesser of two evils. Like, like this is a team that very similar to the Colts, which we'll get to here in a minute. We're like, man. I, I, what are they going to do, quarterback? They're a position away from being a contender, legit. Like, 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 like. Colts permanently it. benched uh, Matt Ryan. By the way, that that was a news story uh, that broke I, at halftime of Monday absolute, Night Football. Absolutely love it. Love to see it. It was. It, we're back, I guess. Right, we're back. The Colts are back, though. Colts are Sam back. Sam Ellinger. That's. But, but yeah. look, look. Andy Dalton is not the answer. Saints are going to be in the on the and the sweepstakes for a quarterback. And, and, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be wild because this NFC is fucking dog water, absolute dog water. It's so bad. There's one team that I can be like, maybe this team has a shot. It is right now. I could pick three or four AFC to AFC teams that would beat every single team on the NFC and, and on their way to the Super Bowl. Right now, the AFC. Right now, if you're a betting man and you can find a line out there where it says AFC win the Super Bowl, you take it. If it's plus odds, you take it because there's there's nothing here. And New Orleans is a team where they have talent. They have one of the best receiving cores, young receiving cores in football. I'm not saying it's the best, but it's one of the best. You cannot deny the fact of Chris Olave, who's done a hell the job so far in his first year. Michael Thomas, slant God, being being halfway injured half the time, halfway on the field is good. 
Kamara is still one of the best, uh, one of the best third down backs in football. There's, there, there's, there's so many weapons you can just name at. And as, this isn't a Broncos situation where it's a bunch of own, unknown names. These are all big name guys that any team right now would be, should be, would be chomping at the bits to have as, as a number one, or number two option. So the Saints need to figure it out. And like I said, if, you, if they waste another year next year of this young core group of this defense with this quarterback with Andy Dalton, it's going to be hell to raise if I'm a Saints fan. I don't think that they. I don't want. I don't think that they're going to stick with them long term. But I think that they should probably stick with them for the rest of the they season. Can't do I don't it for think that year. you go. No, not for another year. year. But I think that you stick with them for the rest of the season because he's going to continue to either lose you games or you know, de- he can develop some of your young receivers and at least teach them how to run the routes the right way. That's the thing about Andy Dalton. He knows where to go with the ball. He just can't always put the ball where it needs to go. Sometimes it goes into the bad windows and it gets picked off, but he knows where to go. So he's going to teach your, your young core. They're going to get better, but yeah, they need a quarterback, a new quarterback next season. I just don't think that they should go back to Jameis this season because that's going to, if anything, that's going to negatively affect your core because they're going to think like this is Madden and we are just running. Uh, I'm just going to draw something up in the huddle. And we're going to go, we're going to roll with it, baby. Cause that's Jameis Winston's offense. And <laughs> He, the free wheeling isn't, isn't good for them right now. They need structure. They need to learn. Um, 42-34, the final score there. Arizona gets the win Thursday night football. <clears throat> the Falcons and the Bengals, look, don't look now. I tweeted out a couple. I first, My first tweet was, uh, I got to start putting a tie on the door when I'm watching this Bengals offense operate because whew, we were, things were getting a little steamy out there. It, I oh. think... 35 points. I don't think that they've, they had, haven't had a drive where they finished with a field goal in two games. Every single offensive scoring drive that they've had for the last two weeks has been a touchdown. Yeah, after the first couple of weeks where you're, kick, where you're begging a kicker to win you the game and your long sniper couldn't uh, get the ball back to the, to, to the punter holding the ball, it's kind of nice not to rely on a kicker. Huh? I, Zach Taylor must have got hit in the head or something because he's absolutely gone the opposite way of what he was doing. He was losing the team games early on in this season. And now he's just like, yeah, you know what? We have the best receiving core. We have a quarterback who likes to throw the ball deep. Why not? Let's do it. Well, why not make life easier? Just let him do what Joe. Weeby oh, Hayden does, Hurst right? is a weapon, by the way. Uh, Hayden Hurst was wasted in Atlanta. Oh my goodness. He is. Wasted you, in Atlanta. Wasted, wasted in, and wasted in, in Baltimore or Baltimore, wherever the hell he was. I mean, yeah. put it on the list. It's a perfect. It's a perfect person to step right in. Uzama doesn't even get fucking used in New York. So no, it was, it was a, the, major. It's a major upgrade. Absolutely yeah. major upgrade. So it's look, 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 look this game. I, I expected this to happen, if I'm being honest with you. That's what you got to do against a team that is not your level. And, and, and this is what the Bengals should be doing to teams like this, right? Yeah. I, I, like I said, it's, it, it's great to see. the Look, I'm, I'm honestly – Atlanta is one of the surprises to me this season. I think that they've they've honestly looked formidable many parts of the season. They have a respectable record, and everyone they've played, they've played tough. Obviously, outside of this past week, they played everyone tough. And, look – Arthur Smith has done a great job with Mariota and getting that offense circulated around him, but they're not that level the Bengals are. Not at all. And look, look, Joey B, I, I wish he could do that every single week because my because the one team I have him on fantasy, he won it for me, basically doing that himself. So I I, I love what this Bengals team is doing. And and, and they're like I said, they're finding their identity at the right time. That's all you wanted, right? They're finding it at the right time. And you just gotta make sure they don't peak too soon. 
they have a bye week coming up in two weeks. The two games that they have going in, they play Cleveland this upcoming Monday night. So we'll talk about that in the pick them. And then they play Carolina. So realistic chance you go into the bye week uh, six and three, which coming from a one and two to start the season, I'll take six and three at the bye week. But then we that's that's when they start their gauntlet of a schedule. So after the bye, they come back at Pittsburgh, at Tennessee, home against the Chiefs, home against the Browns at Tampa Bay. So we got to, we got to pack the wins on where we can. And I agree with you. That was a team, the Atlanta, the Falcons, they could run the ball. Um, they cannot keep up with the offense that the Bengals were putting forth. That was just speed, speed, and more speed. Um, <clears throat> almost looked like Tennessee's offense. If, if we're being honest, just throw it to the open grass and it worked. It continued to work. Um, so yes, the Bengals 35, 17, big victory for them. And uh, we were good. I mean, we're on lockstep so far for the first three through the first three games that we picked. Uh, Tennessee sweeps the Colts. Like I mentioned, Matt Ryan benched for the remainder of the season now. So we're going to get the Sam Ellinger show in Indianapolis. The Titans four and two on the season, 19 to 10. And uh, they hold a pretty commanding lead over that AFC South division. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Indianapolis comes back. And with that tie, if something funky happens and Tennessee Five does slip up stuff around a little bit too, the Jags. Yeah. If they can kind of figure themselves out, that's with the tie, you're always going to be mathematically in some sort of contention. Like I, I almost feel like we're in, in for repeat performance of last season with the Colts, where it's like the last week of the season, all you have to do is win a game and you can't, that's, that's where this team is going. And I think Frank Reich, it's good that he benched Matt Ryan because he needed to do something because guess who the next person that has, guess, guess who the next position that they're changing if this doesn't, turn itself around. They're not going to just, they're not going to bench you as the head coach. They're just going to fire your ass. They're going to pay out your contract and fire you. And and on the flip side of that, I think I can confidently say variable is a top five coach in football. This guy has done so much with, 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 why don't they get that team a quarterback with so little (laughs) to me. If they had a, if they had a decent Malik Willis, look, Malik Willis could be the guy in a couple of years, but they, this team does so much with so little. They they fucking roll Derrick Henry out every damn week. And the motherfucker is just like, Oh, I guess I'll carry the team again on my back this week. And then Ryan Tannehill just, just, just gets Robbie trees in the, in the mix of things. And they start rolling. I mean, Paris Campbell, that motherfucker's been cut by four teams, and, 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 and look, he's been rolling for the Colts. They don't have a they don't have a weapon that's better than him. I, I, I mean, the, they like don't. It's, he, he, Looking at their receivers, here's so Austin Hoover was the leading receiver. Cody Hollister, Robert Woods. Cody Hollister is a fullback from Harvard. What are you? Ta- what are we talking about here? This team has a bunch of nobodies, Jimmy. They lost their starting left tackle to a season-ending injury. This True. team is is just grit and grind, and just finds a way to win games. Like I said, it's must. It must be nice to be a Tennessee fan because look, you you know your team always has a shot. You you know Vrabel will always have a make the team think they have a shot to win any game. They may not win much of them. It may not look pretty, but you know they always have a shot with this team because. Man, Vrabel always gets those boys ready. And in, in a year, we all thought maybe the Colts take the next step. Are the Jaguars still hanging around? Nope, it's still Tennessee to beat in this division for I don't know how many years now it's been, but it's been a long time. It's they're, – they're totally in control. They're in the driver's seat, control their own destiny moving forward. Need some, need some damn weapons. They need a quarterback. If they had those two things – 
to go along with that new stadium? Did you see that they were commissioned for a 1.7 million square foot stadium that's going to have a retractable roof? Uh, Tennessee is about to host like all of the Super Bowls. They're all gonna, Super Bowls, all the country concerts. I mean, you, like they are the next the bachelorette level. parties are just going to continue to get wilder and wild. You know, that's the bachelorette party capital of the, the country, right? Everyone's saying kick rocks to Vegas. Nashville's a new town to go to. Well, the bachelor parties are for Vegas. The bachelorette parties go to the Tennessee. I don't. I don't know. Don't ask me why. That's just the way that. It's the way the world works. Uh, <clears throat> did you sit? Were you at the game yesterday? I subjected myself to it. Did you subject yourself to it live? Because that's that's the next yeah, game I'm yeah, pick up. Yeah, 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 I did. I subjected. I was. I was. I figured when when I didn't get a response, like because te- I was texting. Just seeing it in person stuff. is like seeing it in person was something different. I've seen oh, it on I, TV. What is that? Great football game, huh? I've seen it on TV. I've seen it be bad. I don't know why it's only one drive where they look good like that. That touchdown drive was awesome i was like okay we got <laughs> something the, cooking the only reason why we got the touchdown drive was because the jets shot themselves in the foot and were the jets and that got us two first downs a third down due to penalties for being honest with you there's another thing for you i, I just mean, choose was, to ignore that where where do you want me to start with this conversation because i can start with the improvements in the first half where we're fourth and one i've never seen this play before jimmy but but they, the, the quarterback was under center. Is that a thing still? They can do that still? I, I, I wasn't sure if they outlawed that. But he went under center and he Q, QB sneaked it. Is, is that what it's called? I'm not sure. I, I, it's very foreign around here, so I don't know what it's called. But that happened a couple of times. We got first out. I was like, holy cow, what is this play? What is this magician? Holy cow. And then you get to the point where you're like, all right, this defense fucking balling out outside of one massive run by Brees Hall, which is he's look, the dude's a dog. I have him on my fantasy team, and I loved every second of that run inside. I hated it outside, but I loved every second of it inside. And the poor guy is now out for the season. But the yeah. Jets have a dog in Brees Hall for the future, no doubt about it. But man, they got a dog in Michael Carter, too. Michael Carter had that 37 yard and reception, they, and they just traded for James Robinson, too. So, so, so they have J- James Robinson and Michael Carter. The, the Jets look like they what can are the Jaguars doing? I, well, ETN fucking got every touch, every oh touch, and and, and 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 they said let's just ride with ETN. So look, let's just go with the worst running back. That makes sense. Either, either way, back to the shit show. Yeah, yeah. This 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 team, man. I have never, <laughs> I have never seen a a coach with, with just completely obliterate every single game plan and just be like, you know what? Fuck exactly what we wrote down. Let's just go back to how I got the job. Because I kid you not, I am watching a fifth grade offense with this team, and and, and I mean, like it's, oh. I'm just like, man, I that that Jerry Judy screen. It did not, oh. it did not matter. Oh, he got his ass fucking lit up, oh. and, and, oh. I, and and he he got back in the play. Good he for did. him. Yeah, but, but man, this team, it didn't matter if it was ripping or it didn't matter if it was West. It was the same bullshit. There was yeah. no upgrade, Jimmy. Same it was almost. It was the same amount of points. It was, a, it was just a, one number more and a, a different guy under center. That's all it was. The same bullshit. I don't know how a team can defensively only let seven touchdowns in seven weeks. A, a team averaging one touchdown a week. The team has only scored 20. The team, or sorry, this Broncos team has scored less than 10 points more times than they've scored more than 20 points. Three to one. 
three to fucking one we're looking at. And, and I'm just I'm just flabbergasted because look, this team doesn't have a first or second round pick the next two years. There's there's no fucking room for improvement at this time. You have Bradley Chubb on expiring contract. You have Jerry Judy who fucking is, is a is a whiny little bitch at this point. You have guys that are just not bought in. And and, and there's questions to be made. Like like I said, I, I I he will not get fired during the regular season, but there is an obvious problem. Obvious problem. There is an obvious problem here. And it sure as hell ain't your defense coordinator. Because your defense, after firing a defensive head coach, got better. Better. This defense is better than last year. And, and they fire and it's a brand new defense head coach. So I don't know what's gonna have to happen. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard. The train is you need to get rid of Chubb because you're not going to resign him this offseason. It's almost a guarantee at this point. You're going to need to trade him away because there's nothing to play for this this year except pride. There's the, you're not making the playoffs. You're, you've dug yourself too far of a hole. You need to trade Chubb. Hopefully, you get a, a, a second round pick at max. Hopefully for him, and, and, and you need to try to trade Judy as well because, like I said, when Tim Patrick comes in back next year, you're not paying three receivers ten million dollars. So Judy is the one to fucking go. So so look, you're gonna have Patrick and Sutton next year, and may, and KJ maybe either can step up into a bigger role, or maybe you draft another receiver, Montre- or Montreal's the guy. Because Judy, look, he had a good game on Sunday, but he's not the guy. It, it is compared to the rest of his draft class outside of the one that was picked up before him. Everyone has performed. Whether it be CD, Jay Jettas, Chase Claypool, and obviously Raygor, not so much. But could you and I imagine? Like, like I. I just I, – it's, it's – the Judy era has come and passed. It's time to move on. It really is. And, and I'm just I'm just at a small point where you need to get draft picks. You're, you have to get – you have to draft off its line. Your center can't fucking hold, hold anybody. You, you're on your third string left tackle at this point because Calvin Anderson went down. I, I mean, this, this offensive line needs so much reworking and so much – so much more because when you get Javante back next year and you have Cortland and Tim Patrick fully healthy, you still have weapons. Dolcich has done a hell of a job the first in the last two weeks being the number one tight end. He can't block he the needs shit. To lose some, he needs to lose some weight and become a receiver because he can't. He, I know he, he can't block for shit, but the guy can fucking touch the ball. And look, Albert O could not block the, for shit either. No, but Dulcich missed, missed the lead block on one of those screens. He missed the same guy twice on the same play. I, I'm aware of that, Jimmy, but at this point, he's better than anything we have. And and you can teach blocking. You can't teach athleticism at that height, which he has. You can't teach athleticism. You can teach a guy to fucking block somebody. And, and, yeah, and, and I, I just – I know. I, I can't get so, over so it. You I, have, it's not that important, but I just can't get over it. And that's the least of our worries at this point as, as far as it I'm is, concerned, yeah. too. So, so, like I said – it's a full, it's a full sale fucking rebuild mode. And look, do you think this ownership group isn't, isn't going to waste around? They're going to, they've got embarrassed. You buy a team with a brand new quarterback, brand new head coach with, with, with a GM that's done a pretty damn good job the first two years. They don't want to just stick around. They, they want, they want to, they want to win now. And they bought the team for that reason. And, mm-hmm. and this team is not ready to do that. So look, it's, as far as I'm concerned, the, the season's over. Absolutely. It ended on Sunday. And as far as I'm concerned, the Broncos had every chance to win that game on Sunday because the Jets didn't do shit outside of one that, that one Brees Hall play. They did the exact same thing they did last year when they came to town was get to the 40-yard line and kick the field goal. And that's all that happened. And outside of Brees Hall's one damn long run, they couldn't get anything going. So, look, this, 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 this team has questions, and I pray to God, they're, they're, luckily – 
This team plays in fucking London, and I don't have to watch the damn because I'm not waking up for 8 a.m. for this fucking team. The uh, the total points on the season so far for the Broncos, even 100. And even 100 points through seven weeks. It's almost impressive. It's, it's almost almost impressive that they were able to get to that. Everyone on the offense is like, you know, we'll get it, we'll get it fixed. We'll get it fixed. We have guys like Justin Simmons defensively. That's a same post game. He's like, I got to play better, man. I know Sertan needs to play better. Guys on the defense fucking get it. No one on this offense fucking gets it. They're all cry, crying, whining little bitches. I don't care. Choose my language. They are. Uh, Melvin Gordon is worried about his damn touches. Jerry Judy finally gets the ball, and then he he has a couple drops. I, I mean, they're, they're a bunch of crying, little, whining little bitches. Get some fucking growth pair, and and that starts with the leadership. There's an obvious there's an obvious divide in this locker room, and and, and luckily the defense is, is is mature enough to be like you know what? well no we we stand together we need to be better too. Because in reality, defense let up more points than we could have scored, and I guess. The, I guess the Broncos defense has to let up less than 10 points a game for us to win a game because there's no chance this team has, has, has any, any chance of doing anything this year without an offense that, that won't score more than fucking – that won't get into double digits. True. Uh, we don't have to necessarily talk about the game, but we'll talk about the 49ers because we actually – we didn't – we recorded before Chris McCaffrey was traded – uh, CMC goes from Carolina now to San Francisco. The Chiefs get a huge win, kind of embarrass and bully the 49ers, 44-23. to 23. Um, Pat Mahomes is is damn, damn good. Uh, that's all I really have out of that one. And the 49ers, I don't know what it is. Like, maybe you're going to get your wish that Kyle Shanahan um, is, is going to become available because – There that, is rumblings. There is. Yeah. If they don't make the playoffs with this team, there's a chance. There really is a chance. I feel like the coach and the quarterback are gonna are more than likely gonna go if the season doesn't turn itself successful. They're three and four right now. That's not where they want to be. Um, but here's a question again, for you. Here's a question for you. Would you look, uh, Matt Ryan? They've already said the Sam Ellinger is starting the rest of the season. Do the Four Niners do you take a swing on him? Like, 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 like Jimmy Ryan? G is bad, but Matt Ryan's been really bad too. Yeah, and maybe it, behind a better offensive line, possibly. It, they don't have Jack. Shit to trade for him anyway. Yeah, that's, true. that's very true. They, they can't. They don't have they a don't, job for the next five years. <laughs> no, they have. I don't know if they can trade for anybody else. Like they've mortgaged the house and they put the they took out an extra mortgage and put that down on black twenty twenty three, red twenty three. Also, so there. <laughs> I feel like it, it, I feel bad for Kyle Cherry Creek alum. So you know, shout out all uh, CCOD and all of that, but. Right now, that doesn't look good. That situation, no, San Francisco's getting ball. Not taking this team anywhere. That's uh, that's the reality of it. He's not. But, also, like, that defense—that's the worst defensive performance the 49ers have put out since I, I think probably the last game that they lost. But you leave Juju Smith-Schuster wide open in the middle of the field. How do you vacate the middle middle of the field against the Kansas City Chiefs? You know they're going to throw it to Travis Kelsey and or the receiver that's three yards deeper than him. You know that's what's coming. I, I just don't get it. I don't know. It, it works every The time NFL, time. we talk shit about college players. Like, you never know what you're going to get week to week from 18 to 23-year-olds. Apparently, the 40-year-old billionaires that play in the NFL, you don't know what you're going to get from them either because it, it's it's up and down. I said, like, the last two weeks that the 49ers are the best defense in the NFL, and they have not proven that last two weeks. So, uh, Sunday Night Football, 
We had the return of Tua. No idea how that happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to waste too much time because there's two other games that I want to talk about more here in a minute. But but look, good for look. The Dolphins are obviously a much better team than Tua's playing. There's zero doubt about it. And, and, and look, they 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 can get them back, get themselves back into a wild card position. They absolutely can with with Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle out there, receiver doing things for him. This defense obviously isn't as good as it was earlier in the season, but the Dolphins team is going to set up set, us up set themselves up perfectly, in my opinion. And Pittsburgh, like I said, it's going to be Thomas' first losing season. It, it's tough, but but look, Kenny Pickett. He has one touchdown, Jimmy, and six interceptions in three games. That's I don't I care it. if he's a rookie. That's I'm here for bad. it. I know you. Love I want it, it all That's the time. Pretty yes. bad. Keep playing him. He'll he'll get better with time. Just give it time. Get him. I feel like uh, Rocky and Rocky Three when he's trying to learn how to dance to the music. Give it time. Give it time. It'll come. It's not going to come. It's not, it's, it's not going to happen. Kenny Pig is not the guy. He's got little hands. That's the main issue. Um, so before I w- I'm going to let you get to the, the two games that you wanted to talk about. And uh, those two games that we're talking about are going to be presented by one of our partners at the Variety Sports Network, Row One Brand. Go to rowonebrand.com, use code VSP15. You get 15% off anything in the art gallery. Uh, if you need something for your man cave, new poster, anything like that, uh, sports memorabilia wise, rowonebrand.com. Uh, you can follow them at the cool stub on Twitter as well. Proud partner of the Variety Sports Network and this podcast, Far End of the Bench with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bright. Two biggest takeaways from last week, Nico. The, the two there? biggest takeaways, it's, it's the taking the horse out to the back and kill kill it and because and t- put it out of his misery games. It's it's the it's the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. How the fuck are these two dudes still playing football with these shit teams? Because look, I don't know how Tampa can only muster three points against a team that's selling the farm, <laughs> but that shit's hilarious. And then Do you think they're trying to play really well. So they get more draft. Like they're in their mind. They're like, <laughs> if I play well and boost my draft capital, I can get traded. I, I don't, I don't know, man, but I, the uh, Carolina team that, that traded Robbie Anderson and traded uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey in the same week comes out and puts up 21 points in her head. I don't know how what how this happens, but man, will it be Mike Evans dropping the long ball? There seems to be a a feeling of this offseason, they were ready to move on. I think the Buccaneers were ready to move on too. And I don't think Tom was, but because Tom is Tom, they, they said, fuck it, you can come back. I think these receivers were already too. Because man, Tom cannot fucking Tom, Tom is taking Wednesdays off. He's he, yeah. he's not throwing the ball as much. He's he's relying too heavily on little on little slit on 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 uh what the Scotty Miller to, to run the damn offense that he forgets that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are still there. I, I mean, this, this, this team is like I said, as good a defense we thought they had, they are nothing. Now they have done nothing. They, they've had some bad performances week after week and, and, and the injuries are biting them in the ass, but man, how do you put up three points against this team? I, I, I I'm just blown away. It's so reminiscent to like the Todd Bowles Jets teams. It's it's sad because I wanted him. I thought that they were going to be able to do better, but I it really doesn't make sense with what's going on there. And Green Bay turns out Rodgers was the wrong wagon to hit your horse to. Should have gone, maybe paid Devonte and started moving on to to Love. But I, I just I mean props to Taylor Heineke, props to the XFL because PJ Walker and well, Taylor Heineke had the two 
biggest upsets of the weekend. I guess Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Against Hall of Famers, yeah. The greatest quarterback of all time and the most talented quarterback of the last generation. And both those dudes came out and balled out. Washington is another fucking head-scratcher. And and Carolina, obviously, is an all-out shit mode. The NFC Beast is something to reckon with right now. Hey, this division may have three teams in the playoffs. They really really might. Um, But, man, look, Green Bay's lost three in a row. I I don't look. They were there. I don't know how they thought this team would be any better. Like like I don't know how you look. It finally bit them in the ass that they did never got a receiver for him. The one receiver he had the last five six years, you let him walk and trade mm-hmm. him away. Maybe Devontae knew something that we all didn't, and that they were on a downhill trek, and then he got out at the right time, in my opinion. So he went to a place where the Raiders are. Obviously, not much better, but they're not they're not much worse either. So, I, I look this 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 Packers and Tampa Bay team. This what 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 the what they've been doing, catching on to Rogers and Brady for so long, trying to just ride it out and saying, well, you know what, we have this guy, so he can win us football games. It's not that anymore. It really isn't. You have to be you have to outcoach your opponents, you have to respect your opponents, and it seems as though, in my opinion, Green Bay hasn't done it the last two weeks, and and Tampa Bay hasn't done it either. It's true. I mean, I, I, I'm i kind of right there with you. Um, anything else before we move on to this week's pick them? I, I figured out what games that we have to put on on our list. Um, so any, any other things that stood out from week seven? Uh, look, the trade deadline is, is appearing next week. So there's going to be a lot of movement. James Robinson fell uh, left. Uh, Christian McCaffrey fell. There's going to be some movement. They're saying that there should, could be a lot of big names on the move. So look out for that. But um, I think there could be some shakeups going in the next week. Unless there's something major that happens for one of our teams, we'll, we'll recap all of those trades. We'll get all that news and everything out probably the next week or, or the following week, depending on when that news comes out. For week eight's pick them. So like I said last week, if the Bears win, I went 6-0. and uh, If not, I went 5-1. and one. Nico, if the Patriots win, he went 5-1. and one. And um, if not, he went 4-2. and two. So the only game that you lost right now – the Broncos and I knew I knew better. I really did. I, I, I thought better. that I picked against them, but I, I guess I was mistaken because I, I do type this in live. So it's not like I went in and I didn't change the answers. Okay. Just putting that out there for all the listeners. I am a man of my word. I'm a man of integrity. This week, the games that we're picking Thursday night football, Ravens, Bucks, uh, the Broncos, Jags will be the early London game. I'm going to throw in there. Since the Bengals are playing on Monday Night Football, we had to have a random one. Um, I, I got a game. I, we have to actually had to put in two. So I'm the game that I'm adding in is, is Giants and Seahawks because that's now a six and one team and the first team, first place team in the AFC West or NFC West. What's the game that you want to throw in there? Uh, oh, oh, I, 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 I was, I was thinking of San Francisco, LA. Well, I we can do that one too. I was thinking Minnesota and Arizona. Minnesota is red hot too, and AZ is is hot and cold. But we haven't done it. We haven't done a 49ers and Rams pick them yet. So we'll save the Lions for later. All right, <clears throat> and then obviously the Browns and Bengals play Monday Night Football, and the Packers Bills will be this week Sunday night. The two teams on a bye: the Chiefs and the Chargers. Um, so that the being Broncos said, can 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 gain the division or, or gain on the division here, right? <laughs> or maybe get back in the division here? No. <laughs> With, with Nico, the two I, teams in play, I apologize for the, for what I'm going to do to you when we get to that. I guess let's just go to that game now. I'm picking the the Jaguars because it's home. It's a home game. 
Oh, Don't fucking me. I am too, Jimmy. <laughs> fucking write me down for the Jaguars. All right. Fuck it, all right. <laughs> I did not expect I did not expect this, but in a shocking turn of events, far end of the bench is uh no longer pro Bronco, at least for the time no, being. No, I, I will always be a Broncos fan for I die. I, I, I get I'm not saying that you I, aren't a fan. I, I, just I, like, this is the worst product I've ever seen in football, Jimmy. You're done with I, the I, bullshit. Six years of, of, of bullshit, and and I thought it got better and it got worse. So I, the only way the only way this team wins is 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 if if the defense gets a defensive touchdown. That's all will happen. It's the only way this team wins. If it not, is Trevor lose. Lawrence. So it's Trevor Lawrence. It might might happen. Uh, the line, by the way, Jacksonville's favored by three over under 39 and a half. It's the Broncos. Hammer the under. Andrew, hammer that under. <laughs> hammer the under. Please. 39 and a half. We're gonna get it under 28 game watch. That's gonna be under 20 something. Be like so, 30. That's so, wow. There's a chance we get there, Jimmy. <laughs> there, yeah. They might do a reverse Boston Tea Party with how bad this game is gonna be. Um, okay, so we're both on the Jaguars taking a win in London over the Broncos. Thursday night football. Baltimore and Tampa Bay. I mean, I don't, I don't think that this one's too much of a debate after what we just talked about, what we saw from from Tom Brady and, and the Buccaneers. Are you going to surprise me? Are you going with Tampa, or or are you going to stick and, and go? Did you see the Ravens put Lamar at, at halfback? They're just making my job too easy that. at this point. I They're making it too easy. It. I knew you'd love it. I knew. I saw that play. I thought of you right away. I was like, Jimmy, he's a halfback now. <laughs> he is. I told you, not a quarterback. <laughs> Look good in the first half. Here's the thing. I said it on Talk of the Gridiron last night, which everybody can listen to live Sundays every every Sunday night. Um, he can he can throw in the first half. He can throw in the regular season. He He's fine in those situations. He's probably the number one quarterback that I would take, maybe outside of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, if I needed to march my team to get them into field goal range because his feet are a dynamic weapon, and it's something that you can't prepare for. However, he cannot throw you a win in big time moments and he has not it's not that i'm being mean to him it's not that i'm being harsh he has proven not to be able to do that so far in his career and he still has not even proven that in the regular season he hasn't done it he's proven that he could blow 20 point leads in the regular season however i just don't think that this tampa bay team is out so out of sorts i'm i'm going with baltimore the halfback gets another win i can't believe that you're picking against uh uh, uh tampa bay or picking against picking with Baltimore. I mean, you love this defense so much, Jimmy. And and and, and here you are. You're like, you know what? I'm picking the team that I hate more than anything else. That I'm defense is not. It's it's not what I it was. But they they're only not have to playing stop running back though, Jimmy. They don't have. They to do stop only have to back. stop running back. But their run defense hasn't been great. Like their their run defense is terrible. It's yeah, awful. I know, it's, I know it's very bad. I'm going Baltimore for that reason. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not dumb. Tampa Bay is going. What are they? Are they three and three right now? Or are they? Tampa. Yeah. Yeah, I think they are. Uh, let's see. Yep. No, three and four. This is oh, the first. Oh yeah, this is the first time in Tom Brady's career that through seven weeks he's under five hundred. Yeah, imagine three and five. This team may be out of a damn playoff position, Jimmy. And and, and this division, the the NFC, uh, Louth or South. As an absolute shit show too. All of a sudden, the Panthers, the Panthers can win the division. <laughs> the could be doors wide open. Doors wide doors open. Wide. Oh, yeah, your your division leaders are. Tied I wish right I could joke. I, I wish I was joking, Jimmy. I wish oh, I was joking because there's a real possibility after this week, the Panthers could be one game out from winning the division. Yeah. 
Because they play Atlanta. It's not like that's a that's a, a real barn burner. That 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 Atlanta's gonna kick the shell. Ew, that's gross. Ugh. Okay. Um, moving forward. Kyle Shanahan gets another chance to prove that he is Sean McVay's daddy. The, the 49ers own the Rams when these two are, are the coaches. It's in Los Angeles this time. Uh, the Rams coming off of their bye week, which screwed me. It didn't, necessarily, it didn't actually end up screwing me because my I had Josh Jacobs too, so he filled in for the 30 points that Cooper Cup left on, on his bye week. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm interested. I want to hear where you are on this game first because I'm struggling to decide who I actually think is going to show up this week. Um, it's hot and cold season, and I think San Francisco is hot this week, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. Like with San Francisco, you don't know what you're going to get every single week. You don't know if you're going to get the performance that they had against uh, uh, the Chiefs, or you don't know if you're going to get the performance that they had a few weeks back, where Jimmy G looks like a god <laughs> with his godlike picture. But I'm going to go with the handsomest backfield in football, and that is that is the Kyle Juice check McCaffrey is. and Jimmy Garoppolo combo. So many butt also. chins in that backfield. It's, oh it's, it's such beautiful. It's so Should be beautiful, sponsored right? by Pampers. It, it really is. Like ladies, hi, hi, or guys, hide your women because when the San Francisco 49ers coming to town, they are they are gushing over this backfield. But I'm I'm hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going with the 49ers. I I just I look. I don't have trust in this Rams team. And man, I I just I'm just like I said, this Rams team has fell off in my opinion. Like I said, they're missing Vaughn absolutely. Their defense is taking a step back, which is not what you wanted to see. And I just think 49ers get it together. I think one CMC has a big game. I I'm gonna go because I want to be able to get another game on you. And I, I'm hoping, you know, coming off the bye, the Rams look better than they have. And Cooper Cup having a big day wouldn't hurt fantasy-wise either. I'm gonna go with the Rams, be a little bit different. They have the capability. They still are able to win. It scares me with that offensive line against this defense and that pass rush. So it, it doesn't seem like it's great for me right now. Um, I don't know. It's just a feeling that I have. I'm going with my gut. I'm doing that Jamie Foxx commercial. I'm going with my gut, and we'll see if it actually pays off. I might be eating crow on that one. But also it would be fun to go on talking the gridiron and just rub it in, in Tyler's face. Be like, ha, 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 I won. You I, lost, I won, I, you lost. I didn't get a chance to do that, so at least you can do it. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, moving forward, the Giants and Seahawks, the 6-1 and one Giants, undefeated on the road, by the way, um, going to face Geno Smith, the, the guy. The Broncos should have traded for, I guess, <laughs> yeah, right? 4-3, <laughs> and three, leading the AFC, NFC West. I said this twice now. Leading the NFC West. Seattle's favored by three. Over under is forty five, so it, I'm, I'm I'm honestly with you. I'm picking the over here. Well, eh? the, the the Seahawks defense is fucking booty cheeks. Their offense has been playing really well, but their defense is bad. And New York Football Giants, Daniel Jones. I don't know if you saw the stat. Daniel Jones has more rushing yards than Najee Harris does this year. Yeah, take, take he does it because they don't let they don't allow him to throw the football. This this, this is true, and and look, they're winning games because of it. Yeah. <laughs> so is it a, is it, it's a pretty good decision. That's Honestly, I think he's going to be the quarterback for the Giants again next year because right now their record is going to be too good. They can't draft a quarterback. He well, might or he might get like a year long halfback. Pump. Right? They'll trade for the other halfback. That's a quarterback, right? And it'll make life even more fun for Dable. <laughs> Running backs for days and running the wildcat all the time. 
just two quarterbacks, running back, two quarterbacks line up as running backs. I mean, that'd be good content. I'd, I'd watch those games. <laughs> Saquon, who? Saquon be fullback. <laughs> Moving to fullback. Let these two quarterbacks be running back. I, I, I've been teetering on this game because this is one of the most intriguing games this weekend. It is. It is. Yeah. It, it really is. And I really want to go New York. But I have a feeling Seattle can get it done at home. I don't think New York is ready for the for the road woes of of of, of playing in Seattle's like. So I'm I'm gonna go Seattle here. I I'm not confident in it, but I do like this Giants team a lot. I think this Giants defense is very very much improved. I really do. I I, I just think they're not ready for for the the atmosphere that 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 a two o'clock slate game in Seattle will will bring to you. So I'm gonna go Seattle. Uh, I'm back and forth on this one too. And I actually, I put down Seattle initially just now. I'm going to switch it to the Giants because I like, I, I want Brian Dable to get one on Pete Carroll. He's going to be uh, coaching Carroll, in my opinion too. Dable right now is in the driver's seat right with, uh, um, right with Salah and, and right, yeah. right with White Rabel as well. It's, it's re- reminiscent of like that first year with Stefanski and the Browns. It's just more consistent. And it's weird too, because like, Baker Mayfield is definitely a better quarterback than uh, Daniel Jones, but here we are, and, and the Giants are six and one, and they're they're playing really well. Like that coaching staff as a whole, that's they know what they're doing. They know, yeah, they know they're, how to get they're the doing the right things. They're doing doing a lot of good things. So I'm going with the Giant, the Giants, and Brian Dable. Got to give the thick thick coach a little bit of love. He's like the biggest coach that I've ever seen on the side. Dude, dude was smoking a cigar in Jacksonville and high fiving all the fans around before leaving the stadium. I love it. That yeah, man is New York born and bred at this point. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, so we're split on that one. Also, you're going Seahawks. I'm going Giants. Sunday night football, Packers Bills. I don't think we're going to be split on this one. Buffalo is now a ten and a half point favorite, and the over under is forty seven and a half. Is this uh, is this one of those? Gatekeeper matchups? Do you, you think we're going to see the passing of the torch here, or is the torch already passed? I don't, the torch has already been passed. I think. Look, I think this 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 season has showed that Josh Allen is a top tier quarterback, and it has shown that, that that Green Bay has a top tier quarterback, but an absolute mid level team, and that's being very very kind. This te- this team around Aaron Rodgers is nothing, and this team around Josh Allen is something. And it's all of that. It's in a box of cookies. It's Buffalo. I'm taking them to cover. Fuck that. This 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 Packers defense is mid too. Jerry Alexander is going to get cooked, in my opinion. I think Stephon Diggs will be too much. And if if, if he does even lock up Stephon Diggs, who's going to go guard Gabe Davis? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. And look, look, Bakhtiari has been injured in and out of the lineup. He's he's not prepared for Vaughn. <laughs> and, and, and you're getting you're getting this this Bills team fully healthy off a of bye week. Poyer gets a week of health back underneath him after his whatever rib injury, whatever the hell it was. The like, thing like, that made him have to drive eight hours to the game last week against the Chiefs, yeah. After a bye week, this Bills team absolutely give me the Bills and the minus 10. I, I Look, I, write this down, Jimmy. I will take the minus 10, and I will count it as a loss if Green Bay covers because that's how confident. I am in this Bills win. I will take the points too. If if they lose, but if they win by less than ten, I will be very surprised. Do you want just the ten, or do you want the ten and a half? Like it says, I want the ten. I want the ten and a half. Give me even more juice. There you go, ten and a half. So Buffalo minus ten and I'm just gonna say I I want. I'm I'm thinking. I'm picking Buffalo to win that game. Um, Monday Night Football: The Bengals and Browns. Here's the thing: The Bengals have not beaten the Browns in two seasons, two full seasons. (laughs) 
as good as they were last year, this was the one team that they could never get it over on. Bengals are favored by three this week. They are coming off their best offensive performance and look like they've gotten themselves back together. And the Browns are the Browns. It's not Deshaun Watson led yet. I, I feel good about it. Let's, let's get this monkey off our back. I'm tired. I'm tired of saying that I, we, we didn't sweep them now. So it, it's null and void. But last year we swept the Ravens. We swept the Steelers for the first time in both seasons since, since like 2011 and then got swept by the freaking Browns. Are you kidding me? For that reason, I'm picking the Bengals. Uh, look, Jimmy, this is a game where I, I really want to pick Cleveland just because of all the, how the trends go, right? Because of the trends and, and, and how, how much the Browns have really had their number and the fact that it's in Cleveland and everything. But I'm not an idiot. I want to win. You, you, you got a game up on me this week, two games up on me, actually, with the, with the way the Monday night game's been going. So I'm going to go Bengals here, too, because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> and, and I do think Joey, Joe Shicey is getting things going. Look, this is, this is one, of, one of the obstacles every great team has. And for some reason, it's the Cleveland Browns for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's the one team they got to get over, which they could never beat. Every team in every league, is, whether it be the Avs and, and the Blues, whether it be the, the Nuggets trying to get past the, the Warriors. I mean, you can go down the list of teams and names of teams that just always thorn in your side and, and always just play you tough and it makes life miserable. I think Cincinnati comes out on top and, and gets things righted. I don't, I don't mind it. I'm glad that you're on my side there. Um, so recap before we get into Bulla's lock, you picked the Ravens, the Jaguars, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Bills, plus the mi- minus 10 and a half number. And the Bengals, I picked the Ravens, the Jaguars, the Rams, the Giants, the Bills, and the Bengals. Uh, Bull is lock. He's taking win. He's taking dubs. Like things have turned around. Uh, does, do we have a lock this week? Are we comfortable? Are we he's sticking right. in college he's football? Won, he's won two in a row. This, but this, it's only been college football. That's the thing. I, I, we're we gonna stick. He's, he, he, told me that after this weekend's UFC fights. He's, he 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 feels, he feels good. He's got the championship belt, and and, and he, he he's he's riding more of the hot train of, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick college football because he knows how to pick college football. Um, oof, man, the, this slate is interesting because they're not there's not there's Ohio State Penn State game, which is probably the biggest game of the weekend. He doesn't really want to take the 15 and a half. He doesn't want to lay it there. Um, no, he, he likes this one. Screw it. He's going to go Cincinnati plus the half a point versus UCF. Like he he thinks that he thinks that Cincinnati is such a damn good program, and, and, and he he thinks that they can get out on top. He loves what what they do there. Yes, they lost Sauce. Yes, they lost um, Ritter. They lost a lot of dogs. But Cincinnati is always a tough opponent. And talk about two teams that were quote unquote on top of the world in terms of. Um, being the two teams that everyone thought could be the non-power five team to win it all. So he likes Cincinnati in that really fun matchup against UCF at the plus a half. Bulls, like I said, two in a row college football. Make it three. He's not good at betting soccer, obviously, and he's not good at betting NFL. So he's riding college football till he dies. He's he's enjoying himself. I found – oh, come on. I wanted – I got his laugh on here. (laughs) it's like it's the cutest little kid laugh of all time oh 
yeah, he sounds like a little baby. I don't know. It, it fascinates me how he's able. He's he's so old yet he sounds so young. A man can easily pick football games. I'll tell you that. College football games like this. Since he plus half a point against UCF uh, is Bulla's lock of this week. Yeah, it's basically money line, but you you know what? It's uh, yeah, it's money line. It's minus one hundred six. We yeah. can just straight say money line. It's, it's that's fine. It's, since yeah. he, since he minus one hundred six, there. Uh, that is the lock of the week. So we will be con- keeping you guys updated with how those are going. Um, we're not going to talk too much about basketball and hockey. It's still really early on in the season. The Avs go uh, one, one, and one on their most recent road trip. Um, and the Nuggets, uh, they split or are they one and two? How, I can't well, we're remember. two and one, and, 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 and one. We, we, we beat Golden State, which is a massive W. Look, this offense looks really good. And right now we're playing, I'm watching the game right now. We're, we're playing Portland, and this offense looks even better. But we don't talk about that Utah game because Utah is, is an anomaly at this point. They're undefeated too. So I like what this team's looking like a lot. And and in terms of the Avs, the, they they just played their last home game Friday night until December 3rd, I think it is. They go to Finland in, in a couple weeks, they, 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 and, and they're over there playing the European series. So there's it's, it's going to be a tough, tough sledding for the Avs. This is a tough slate. So everyone, if you're an Avs fan like myself, pump the brakes a little bit, relax a little bit, because it's not going to be easy sledding. So just just be aware this is going to be a tough road trip. But starting it off with a good win in Tampa – and sorry, in Las Vegas was, was, was a big one for confidence boost. It was good, especially after – I mean, against Winnipeg and against Seattle, it kind of looked disinterested. Seattle's like, bad. Seattle's – Yeah. Crazy. But Georgia, like that, – that's Georgia, so been, Georgia is – that's the most ready a goaltender's looked this early on in the season. Like Gruby didn't take over the net for like a long time. Uh, Fransu, or we talked about Kemper last year, like struggling. Frankie's been the one struggling too. I like it shows. Yeah, but also like <laughs> they had Curtis McDermott playing defense, and I yeah. I know I don't mind Curtis McDermott playing in the lineup, but if he's the, a defenseman, that's not good. He's the slowest guy out there on skates. Beat the shit out of Jamie Oleksiak on Friday night, though. That was awesome. Did, hey, did hey, Jimmy, let's just let's just talk into fruition. We're talking about about McDermott, just like we talked about uh uh, uh um uh, uh what the fuck's his name? Josh, not Josh. What's what, the guy that we that was? Oh, those? Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson. Just we're talking bad about. McDermott, just like we talked about about Jack Johnson, he's going to come back in the playoffs and play big time minutes and be just fine. But he's absolute cheeks right now, and the guy is the guy just, cannot keep up with anybody. <laughs> just play him at forward. Just don't play him at defense. They they say that he's a forward slash defenseman. He's not a defenseman. Oh, okay. He's the biggest goddamn forward. He's the year enforcer. He's only there to throw up one job. He's one. He's got one job, and he's and he's two and zero oh so far on the season. So exactly. I'm glad. Very good like, at I'll take it. Yeah, I think he's the toughest. You got to say he's the toughest guy left in the league because he beat Delorea last season, and now he beat Alexiak too. So he's got I, some names I'm, on his list. So a good hitman list. It's a hit it's not, list. It's not a nobody list. Is <laughs> it's not Scott Parker, but it, it is not bad. <clears throat> Before we wrap things up, uh, let's get into let's talk about baseball because the World, the World Series, Series is set. Jimmy. We actually and and we know that when it's taking place now, like we get. We've we've kind of screwed up on our baseball coverage up until this we point. Jokes on you on. guys. Jokes on you guys for thinking that we knew what was happening, but we do know what's going on now. Um I said it on I was a little tongue in cheek last night on talking to Gridiron because the Yankees blew their lead live Sunday night. But oh, my uh my judge winner last strikeout too. Oh, yeah, my my loser. Sorry. 
my surprise or like the get right of the week were the Giants fans because now they didn't have to cry about the Yankees losing in the playoffs. I know, right? They can focus on their football team. Man, I, the Astros I, I, own like do the Astros you. own stock in pinstripes right now? Because they should. Pedro said it best on the on the post game. I don't know if you saw this clip. He 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 had one question after the game. He said, New York. He looked in the camera and said, New York, who's your daddy? It's it was Big Poppy. It was Pedro Martinez. And now it's the Trastros. Whether whether they're banging cans cans or they're not banging cans. Look, this team is is so far has your number and and your quote unquote super team. (laughs) It may have just fell apart. Andrews batted a one sixty seven in the postseason. The 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 NL MVP, which he he rightfully was and is, whatever AL, whatever the fuck he's called. AL MVP rightfully is the guy did not show up in the playoffs and look at this all of a sudden huh, Yankees you thought you were high water we're gonna go win a championship he's gonna come back and say nope the Dodgers are now in on Aaron Judge the Giants the, the San Francisco Giants are in on Aaron Judge oh his hometown and 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 Arlington Texas the Rangers are in on Aaron Judge there is there is a who's who's right now of, of Aaron Judge street sticks as far as I'm concerned he. I, I, look, he may be the biggest, biggest, the number one enemy in New York sports if he leaves. But I wouldn't mind it. Screw it. Fuck around. And do it. Help make make baseball interesting. Make make a little hatred, hatred in between you because the team wouldn't pay you, and then all of a sudden now they're paying you because of that, because of you dropping 60, 62 or sixty three bombs, however many it was. So like I said, it's 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 tough sledding, and the Astros still own you, New York. The Astros still own you. I refuse to acknowledge anything Pedro Martinez says. That's just not something. It's not something I could stand by. Of all, I, I honestly, right up there with Roethlisberger, like on the most hated. I, I respected Poppy. I did not respect Pedro Martinez. Ever since that clip of him when he's in that brawl against the Yankees and he throws down the 82-year-old third base coach or whatever it was because he's too big of a, a puss to go after any of the actual athletes. Yeah, that was where I lost all my respect for him. He's not my daddy. The Astros are. The Astros definitely are. The Astros are. very much are right now. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, shout out to the Phillies. <laughs> yeah, good for the Phillies. We shit on Phillies some more, so much. But you know what? I'm happy for them. I am too. I didn't want the Padres to win. Those fuckers bought their way in. And look, the Phillies finally played up to their uh, level, team level. Castellanos was an all-star last year. Zach Wheeler was a number one in New York. Um, Bryce you're Harper. Lead. Yeah, I was going to say, MVP. you're Barry in the lead there. That Did you see that? I am in him. And he's like, yeah, uh, you're right. And then you're he's in the dugout. Wrong. He's like, oh, my God, I really just did that. <laughs> it was badass, too. It was, look, we've shit on Bryce Harper in the past on the show, but I'll give him his due right now. The dude deserves it all right now because the dude has been injured all year. He cannot, he can barely fucking run at this point. He's been DHing for them. So he, he just hits, goes out there and hits at this point for them. And man, looks good for him. He's on a good team. He obviously wasn't a part of that Nationals team that won the World Series the year after he left. They won. Like now he has his chance to do it. And like I said, Philly. If 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 you live in this, you live, you live in Pennsylvania right now. More more so Philadelphia. If you're not a sports fan. I feel bad for you. I really do. Because 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 if you because that city is probably going to burn to the fucking ground if if the Phillies win the World Series and then the Eagles get into the Super Bowl. Oh my God! Could you imagine? The Sixers aren't NL's... doing anything, so we don't need to worry about that. But the, the Eagles yeah. do something. 
Man. Just the NLCS celebration going on the other night was anything. Greece was, was not stopping them from climbing the balls. No, that was, was that was wilder stopping. than anything I've ever experienced living in Colorado. Um, I don't. Here's the thing. I don't think that they're going to beat the Astros. The Astros have proven to be like the much better team throughout the whole season. The last three times the Astros have been to the World Series against an NL East team, they've lost. Washington, or the last two times, Washington Nationals, Atlanta Braves. They were the team now, wasn't the, the World Series last year? I wanted to say. I wanted to say. I guess maybe it's a, this is the third NL East team in the last four years. That's what I meant to say. Third NL East team in the last four years that's been in the World Series, and the last two have won. Well, yeah, that's true. It'd be wild. It'd be a wild turn of events. Absolutely. Philadelphia. Because, you know, we all picked Philadelphia versus Astros in our World Series, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I said we, right, up, right off the bat, Philadelphia, I think that you got this one. You got this one in the bag, baby. No. First time that they – I did not expect them to be in the I World Series. I will be better or... on the Phillies to win because I don't want the Astros to win. I just don't. I don't care that, that we're four or five years removed from the scandal. I still think it stains in half this team, so – I'm still going to bet on Philadelphia to win uh, um, each game. Like I said, I, I I think this Philadelphia team has what it takes, but they have to they have to get to this team because their pitching needs to step up, and they need to be able to hit Merlin or be able to hit some of these absolute studs that the Astros have in their bullpen. Houston's right now favored in the just game, just in game one minus one seventy. The over under for the runs is six and a half. That game is going to be taking place Friday at six o'clock Mountain Time, so eight p.m. Eastern. Um, and also, too, the Bears did just go final 33-14 on Monday Night Football over did the you, Patriots. Did, did you see the schedule for the, for the World Series? It goes, no, but I, I assume that they're – It's Phillies play, play Friday, Saturday, Sunday with the Eagles. <laughs> Monday and Tuesday and, and, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think our games four, five, or three, four, and five. And then Thursday night is, is, is the Eagles play on Thursday night against – Houston Texans next week, funny enough. <laughs> Crazy how that works out, huh? And Houston versus the versus Philadelphia in multiple ways. And then and then after that, if it goes six and seven, it goes it, it, it obviously is after the Thursday night game, but it works out perfectly for all Philadelphia to watch each of the teams on each night and they're not contradicting. So I love that. I love that they did that. Or they probably didn't really do that on purpose, but I like to think yeah. this. <laughs> it, it worked out pretty well. I, I just, I mean, baseball's conceded their ratings to football for like the last for the entire playoffs. They've been having their games since like. It. Yeah, they they they're not putting up as much of a fight anymore now. Um, when they get shoved down to the bottom of the totem pole. <clears throat> Anything else that we have to touch on before we get out of here? I think that was a solid. We got a good thirty minutes with Rev recapping UFC two eighty. Um, and we have all of our picks made. Oh, we didn't talk about. Let's just quickly look at the. We'll, we'll talk about the top 10 in college football because the playoff rankings start next week. Um, so as it stands Cle- now. Cle- oh, no, hold on. Did you see Clemson storm the damn field against Syracuse? That's ridiculous. Was yeah. I, was, I was really hoping that the Orange could pull that off and they I were really doing it for the entire time. And then we had I had to go for – I was listening to it on the radio and then I had to go coach my own game and, and it totally fell apart towards the end. Oh, um, that was funny. I was I was like, You're, wow, this program's that far down. Are you kidding me right now? They definitely are. Uh, top, five, top 10, Georgia, number one, Ohio State, Tennessee – Michigan is your top four. Clemson in there at number five, currently 8-0. Alabama, six. TCU, seven. Oregon, eight. Big win for them over UCLA, unfortunately. 
Yeah. Oregon may get themselves in the conversation because there's only losses to Georgia. Yep. So, no, so, they have so best loss in the season so far. It's 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 a very very good loss, and if you're Oregon, you're a team that could sneak yourself in after a big win against UCLA, a team that was undefeated. They could they could find themselves in the in the talk of the top four. Oklahoma State number nine, USC number ten. Um, USC is also in that conversation too because they're also six and one. And if they win out the rest of their schedule, they could be in the Pac-12 championship against Oregon or you. Whoever wins the USC UCLA game as it stands now will play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. And I think whoever wins out of those would probably have a decent chance, maybe getting in as the the four seed or maybe the three seed. I would honestly put them in over Clemson right now because they have better. All of the Pac-12 teams, funny enough, have better wins on their record right now than Clemson does. It's like, funny, right? The Pac-12 <laughs> conference the champions, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to go that, that far. that horse until I can't, buddy. Yeah, yeah. right now the, the best win on Clemson's record is Wake Forest. Yeah, that's not yeah. really much. Oh, I guess Syracuse, you... but, I mean, still not much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it up again. I wouldn't put that in, in the ring against uh, UCLA, USC, or Oregon, especially Oregon. If Oregon wins out, yeah, they're they're, they're, they're a conversation, real conversation to be top four, absolutely. The one that I'm paying attention to now and they have my full attention is, is TCU because they continue to put up – I mean, they had a good win against Kansas State this past weekend. They have a pretty clear shot through the rest of their schedule really to get to that too, Big yeah. 12 championship. They're going to run into some some tougher opponents here at the back of their schedule, but they went out too. I would love to see it. Fuck it, give me give me Ohio State, Tennessee, TCU, and 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 fucking uh, I don't know who was like Oregon in the Final Four. It's not going to happen, but you know I I love to dream. I just <laughs> think that they're they have like the back half of their, the rest of their schedule is West Virginia, not a good team. Texas Tech, not a good team. Texas, who knows, because they're up and down every single week. That's on the road, so that won't be tough. Baylor is always tough because that's a rivalry game. But then Iowa State, realistically, you could find yourself undefeated going into the Big 12 championship, and then you're a Power 5 undefeated conference champion. Look at that. You're in the college football playoff. Congratulations, TCU. I know, right? Like, like, it's, it's a real conversation we had. Like, like, like I said, I now that I've said that, they're definitely going to lose. This is, this, is a, this is a year, Jimmy. Where if this we had a twelve team playoff, this would have been nuts. Oh, like, if, if we had nuts. a if we had a twelve team playoff right now, it'd be so Georgia, Ohio State. Actually, this is go based on the rankings as they sit currently. This is obviously not how they would work out because of the conference championship games. But just based on the numbers, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan are your your buys. UCLA would have to go to Clemson. Um, <clears throat> Actually, Wake Forest would go to Clemson, so that would be a rematch. USC would go to Bama. Oklahoma State would go to TCU. There'd be some pretty fun matchups. There would be a lot of fun matchups here, buddy. I I mean, we are are getting robbed of it. Too many many different combinations to count. My brain just melted with all the college football awesomeness that I'm projecting myself to see in the future. I I, have I told you? I don't know if I've told the Fitbit story on the pot because I haven't had. Since we've had the podcast, I haven't had a Fitbit, but I got a Fitbit like three years ago for Christmas. And the day after Christmas, I literally sat on my couch from 10 o'clock in the morning when the game started to 10 p.m. at night and like got up to get, go get the chips. The Fitbit was like, are you 
should I call 911? Are we good here? <laughs> I I don't know what's going on. I was like, no, no, it's it's fine. This is I'm watching college football all day. Yeah, this is what the, I do. The, the, it's all okay. This is what Girlfriends and, and ladies out there, don't worry. W- winter is almost around, and we we're, and football is is on the on the down slope. So you'll have Sunday, Saturdays, and Sundays soon. But for right now, uh, yeah, fall festivities are not a thing that we do this on weekends you sit on your butt you watch football and you like it yeah yeah we're watching football and we like it that's gonna do it for uh episode 114 of the far end of the bench podcast once again thanks to rev coca follow him at rev coca check out his writing on bellyupsports.com um he just has a, a new ufc 280 article out big thanks to him for coming on early on earlier on in the show and uh, we had a lot of good stuff to, to put in here a lot of big football episodes hopefully you all enjoyed Please remember to follow wherever you're listening to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave a like, a five-star rating, a review, tell a friend about us, tell your friends to follow the show, and also be sure to check out our presenting uh, network, Variety Sports Network. Follow them at Variety underscore sports underscore, and you can subscribe to their YouTube channel as well. Uh, for myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host, Nico Bryant, thank you for listening to episode 114 of The Far End of the Bench. We will see you guys next week. Peace! If you don't stay down and you never quit, on over here and sit on the far end of the bench. Mm-hmm.